Welcome back to Trending in Education, an extra episode here covering the Mary Meeker Report 2018. We'll dive into that momentarily. Mike and myself, Dan Strafford here, talking about the Meeker Report with Melissa Griffith, uh, Vice President of Analytics and Strategy here at Kaplan Test Prep, a colleague, a friend of both Mike and myself. Melissa, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's your maiden voyage here on Trending in Education. Welcome. We appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am sitting in Brandon's seat and I'm, I'm feeling the Brandon power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, what's it like? Because for me, for veterans like, like Dan and myself, you know, this is, this is just like, uh, is it like falling off a log for you, Dan? I mean, this is a very, uh, very normal act. I, but we don't fall off logs off it. I guess it's I, easy, not normal. That's it. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say like riding a bike, but I haven't ridden a bike in right. 10 years probably. Well, so. And don't ride a bike off a log. Uh, but, but but for you, uh, Melissa, uh, welcome. And uh, and uh, is it everything you imagined coming in? I mean, is this? I will I will let you know at the end of it whether <laughs> it was everything I imagined. So far, it's going good. And uh, and we're here to talk about uh, Mary Meeker's uh, 2018 Internet Trends Report. Uh, we've covered it uh, last year, I guess. Did we do it twice, Dan? I think we might have done it uh, for this is our third time doing it. It right? is correct. Yep. Yeah, so we started uh, covering this uh, on the show when, when we were just uh, getting started uh, back in 2016. Now we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're two years in and this is our third Mika report. But um, I think we've been tracking. I remember because Bernardo got us started. Yeah. So uh, Bernardo Rodriguez, uh, uh, a former colleague of ours, uh, I think uh, turned us on to the Mika report probably in the early 2000s, right? Like yeah. early teen, early maybe 2010, 2011, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Something, um, something around there. Yeah, and ever since, uh, I always, uh, you know, late May, I like to wish people happy Meeker Day. Yeah. Uh, and it's been going on for a while too, right? It she's has. Been, she's been doing it for like 20, 20 something years. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, you know, internet trends. So I think, you know, they were they were in early on, uh, you know, the smartphone mm -hmm. revolution in the, in the, the, the mid-2000s and, the, the, you know, the advent of social media. Um, and then Mary, Mary Meeker does her... Um, report with uh what is it kleiner perkins uh the, there's there's a name of them yeah uh, kleiner perkins kleiner perkins all right so i'll just stop there i think there's some more some more uh, initials there perhaps but uh but they, they've, like, they've reduced of, staff i think it is kleiner perkins <laughs> this year so. yeah, that's that's what's on the report <laughs> that's easy, easy uh but but it basically tracks like what's happening what's emerging uh through through the internet uh really well researched uh 294 slides um uh, you know, real page turner. Uh, if you, one of the best 300 slide uh, presentations you're ever gonna uh, browse through, uh, is that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I read it um, end to end and detail, took notes and nice. everything else. Excellent. Yeah, that's Welcome. what I did. That's how we roll here. That's how, that's uh, how we, we roll. Always over prep. We're all about preparation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and then and then also uh, for those of you who prefer the highlights and the short form stuff. There's uh, a summary on TechCrunch that I think is pretty good in, in terms of some of the, the, the key highlights. I, I think our 30-minute video is really good. Yes. That, that's a good video to listen to. I actually listened to that one twice because you catch more the second time around. Yeah, exactly. And that's where she does like a super fast, uh, yeah. you know, buzz, you know, flyby of the, the entire report. So she does 294 yeah. slides worth of content in 30 minutes. In, in 30 minutes. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but she speaks really fast, but yet really fluently. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, she is. I was like, that is impressive. And that's live at yeah. the, it's at like the, the Recode conference yeah. uh, out, out in California. Um, so really interesting day uh, for anybody who's interested in trends and uh, you know, mm -hmm. where the world is heading. Um, and 
there's a ton of stuff in there, uh, depending on what you're interested in. It's, uh, it's probably uh, one of the, the, the more useful ways to kind of uh, uh, waste some time on the internet yeah. these days. You'll actually, you'll, you'll learn a good deal. And I know already that uh, I, the average person is what, 5.9 5. 5. times, uh, like 5.9 hours on the internet. Oh my God, that, yes. That's it, and I spend probably more than that watching yeah. videos and, and researching. Ex exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so, so maybe we could talk about it that way, like sort of like talk some some of the high low high level trends at the top. Back, I, I I made a few notes about stuff that I thought was most relevant to like learning and media and interactive. Um, and um, anything else jump out at you, Dan, uh, that you wanted to make sure we we talked about? I, I think the high level uh, slides do give a nice context for the rest of it, where she does talk about. Um, that the growth of the internet is slowing. So the, this sort of uh, proliferation and access is, is slowing a bit, but <clears throat> you are getting more people online more. So you're getting a, a longer uh, average time online and in front of a screen, uh, but you are slowing the trend of how many people are, are, are hopping on. I guess she pointed to uh, cheaper Android devices uh, around the world that have led to uh, over the years, uh, more folks uh, getting online faster. Uh, but now we're sort of at, I guess, an inflection point of sorts where something needs to change from a price point perspective um, to, to change either Wi-Fi access or whatever it may be, I think is an interesting contextual thing for education, especially. I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I, no, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing is 3.6 billion um, internet users. Exactly. So like that's more than half of yeah, it's the like world's they're at, population. Yeah, they're at like 50% penetration yeah. of the world. Yeah, which is, is why it's on the more, internet. And you think about that because you have the 300 million in America, the 1 billion in China, but like you're bringing on a lot of people in um, emerging markets and right. so forth. And you're bringing them on with smartphone use. Correct. And not. And not laptops, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And that's how it's going to change the face of education, I think, right? Because mm -hmm. you have so many people in, in these emerging markets that now have access to information and they're probably looking for, for getting it. Exactly. Yeah. And then the, I think the related point is uh, for, for many reasons, uh, you know, I, I guess price is one of them, but, but it's also just access to, yeah. to infrastructure, whatever it might be, like the 50% the who already have access to the internet are the ones who it was easiest to mm -hmm. give access to. So now like the remaining, and that was sort of her yeah. point is that that, that like rapid uh, growth curve that we mm -hmm. saw was because the people who wanted and needed access to the internet got it really fast. And then they were the first wave yeah. of consumers, but now that's your established market. And then to enter that new and emerging market that you're talking about, mm -hmm. Melissa, like that's, um, that's gonna be harder. Yeah. And to find like rapid, revenue growth associated with the second uh the second 50 percent of the world it's probably yeah. not going to be there um same thing around smartphones too like smartphone yeah. um uh the the numbers of smartphones sold in, is flat yeah. versus the previous year so the, and that's the first time after after many many yeah. uh years of growth yeah but what's that like it's 2.6 billion smartphones annual um in, sure yeah that is that's an, also it's an impressive number to keep um just throwing out into the market every year. Oh my year. God. Yeah. I mean, just from like a macroeconomic yeah. perspective, like the level to which there's a new world that is emerging where like every human on the planet yeah. at some point is going to have an internet access device yeah. and uh, access to Wi-Fi or some way yeah. to connect. And then the connectivity among, uh, among all of us is going to continue to accelerate. You know, yeah. it's just... That's kind of the mind-blowing aspect of, yeah. of this report. Like when you start understanding the scale yeah. that, that they're analyzing 
And then they get very, it's nice that they start very broad and then they, they really zero in on very specific examples yeah. that sort of talk about sort of trends at a very um, understandable and sort of concrete way. Yeah, no, I can, I can talk about any, any of those trends. <laughs> I love those trends over there. Like the data one is interesting to me and the data privacy one. Yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we go there next? Because like I know uh, you know you've you've been in a sort of uh, uh, an analysis and strategy role for for many years, where uh, you are, you know, you understand the complexity of getting getting uh, good data to report against, and then once you have that data, um, you know what kind of insights mm -hmm. and, uh, and and artificial intelligences can emerge, and uh, and then we've talked on the show a couple times. Uh, we went in depth with uh, Lev K uh, about a month or two ago talking about uh, just the crisis of trust that we're in, mm -hmm. uh, particularly, you know, post uh, Cambridge Analytica mm -hmm. and everything that's going on with Facebook. Um, where do you want to, like, what, what jumps out at you in terms of, uh, you know, maybe slides in the report or, or, or stuff that you're tracking? I, I mean, it was, I think it was her statement in it. It's the slides in the report, but it's her statement uh, online too about it, that you're, we're in this interesting paradox, which I, I struggle with every day too, where, I find so much value from Google and Google is practically running my life. I use them in Gmail. I use the auto reply. Um, I use, they tell me when flights are coming in, when my family are on because it was on email. Mm -hmm. I find that them so useful. And then at the same time, I know Google knows where I am at any point in the day because I use Google maps. They know how my driving patterns, cause I always have the map up. Right. It's so interesting that there is, I, I trust them to have this data, mm -hmm. but then Facebook also had some of my data and the Cambridge Analytics stuff makes you want really weary of, right. of that. And that's a hard, tension, I think that, yeah. that's a hard tension to face. And like, I've given, I've clearly given over to the, it's go, if it's going to be valuable, I'm willing to take the risk, but I know a lot of people suffer from that. And just from our standpoint as an internal company, as we pull more student data, as we use this data to actually teach them, I mm -hmm. think that's something we have to get right. Right. And, and that's something that they did talk about how like, you know, apps are getting more and more compelling to the user to earn the trust so that mm -hmm. she's willing to give data to an organization yeah. or a brand or an enterprise. And, uh, and at the same time, they were talking about, so there's the, the consumer and then there's the provider. Mm -hmm. But then she also talked about the regulatory climate. Mm -hmm. And then in particular, uh, you know, around data privacy and, uh, you know, GD yeah. GDPR uh, just going live in, uh, in the European Union to give uh, individuals more, yeah. more, more rights over their own uh, data privacy. Uh, that, that's a big trend, as is cybersecurity and sort of yeah. uh, the, the risk profile around, uh, you know, just uh, the internet and digital yeah. presence. Uh, it's and a very paradoxical point it, it, in it time. It is, and, and companies that are gonna win are gonna balance this really well. Like mm -hmm. I think Mark Zuckerberg, and she mentions it in her documents, it said it really well, right? Like we, like they are mission driven. They were, they saw the good in it and mm -hmm. they didn't even think about the consequences of how people could do bad with it. Right. right? And I think that's, that as a mission driven company, we have all intent of doing good with it, but right. the data gets into the wrong hand, the data goes to the wrong place and that's where it gets really challenging. Yeah. And I think that's something we know we have to get right. Yeah, yeah, we talk about, we, yeah. talk, we, call, we refer to Mark as Zuck. Uh, yeah, I'm, we, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm not up with talk, the lingo we talk, here. We talk about Zuck and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a related note, um, Recode is releasing a lot of podcasts, not as great as this one, uh, but, 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 but in the same neighborhood. And uh, of inter interviews and conversations from uh, the conference that Mary Meeker presented mm -hmm. at. So they'll pr maybe they'll even release the Meeker report as a pod because I, mm -hmm. I wanted to listen to it on the way in. Mm -hmm. But um, they, uh, they did an interview with Sheryl Sandberg and the CTO of Facebook. Yeah. 
and it was a tough interview. Like they were re they were asking hard questions about exactly this. So um, folks who uh, who might be interested in those topics, uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, and this Recode conference, it, it's a you know, it's something just to kind of mark on your calendars. Yeah. Like we we kind of keep track of that. Like when does the Mika report come out? When does the Gartner hype cycle come out? Um, the other one that we talked about uh, recently was the Edelman Trust Barometer, uh, which is how much do people uh, trust institutions and governments? And uh, hadn't seen that one until this year, but it was an interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. How, yeah. Where? How, what is the trust level? What's the index level there? Uh, it's uh, it's like DEFCON <laughs> two. Uh, it's uh, like I, basically trust in particular. Uh, you know, trust of institutions and platforms yeah. are is 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 at a, a low. Uh, and um, and uh, folks are seeking seeking out uh, more personal yeah. um, recommendations and sort of evaluations of personalities to sort of try to find truth in a very uh, very uncertain, uh, in uncertain a post, age in a post truth world. Yeah, exactly. In the post truth world we live in, like yes, yes. So uh, so Dan, you uh, you seem like you're you're poised. I am poised. Uh, so you're talking about the, the privacy one, the slide that uh, pops out and it's on the, the TechCrunch uh, too long, didn't read uh, summary of uh, Mary Meeker's report, 20 slides that they highlight uh, about uh, the reaction to data privacy and how it almost the, the highest percentage reaction is to delete or avoid certain apps. It's not, you know, fixing your privacy settings. It's not deleting cookies. It's, it's just to, to get rid of it altogether. And to your point from a trust perspective, uh, that's something hard to earn back. Like once you delete the app, you, you're, you've made that decision. You're cutting that out of your life. You're sort of, you know, deleting it. Uh, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's Twitter, Instagram, or maybe it's a, a smaller company that uh, lost your data or, or infringed on it in some way. Uh, but I'm with Melissa. I like Google does great things for me. And I, like, I, I constantly am turning over data. I think the, the privacy settings that came out, as you said, from Europe uh, are intriguing in this uh, context as well, because we all had to re- agree to those privacy settings, right? We had to read right. them and re-agree to them. So now uh, seeing it in this context with Mary Meeker just makes it more important, I think, to read them and to understand and, what you're agreeing to and, and what you're turning over. And, and you read them word for word, right? Oh, then, I, I uh, talked to my lawyer. My lawyer reviewed. Uh, yeah. He had his, uh, his feedback and then I decided to send back some red lines and they're, they're going to get back to me. But I, yeah. I, I think the privacy question is a big one and one that uh, more and more individuals who may not have worried about before or getting much more involved in. Yeah, yeah and I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be controversial or anything. Oh, please. Come on, I totally want to be controversial. Why stop now? Um, I don't know if I want the government um, always um, dictating this. I want them to be involved, but I don't always think of governments as the cutting edge of technology. And, sure. I, and I think they stifle it. And so I look at net neutrality over here and then yeah. just uh, what we're doing over here. Like, I, I want people, I want, I want people who are really invested in it are on cutting the edge. I uh, think about the policy as well. Yeah. And I don't think we always have that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was pretty evident in the, the Zuckerberg hearings yeah. uh, that that Congress didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, that one was like into like an eight yeah. hour, uh, watching yeah. an eight hour tech support call where uh, you know, <laughs> Zuckerberg really knew what was going on. And then the folks were like, and this is through my modem. Like when it dials up and it finishes dialing up, what exactly am I doing? So I have to unplug my fax machine? I am so confused. But yeah. But in all seriousness, I mean, you think of like regulations is fascinating for me because like I, as someone who came in back into the market from business school when we had the crash, the financial crash, I feel a need for regulation, but like I also feel like 
regulations should, and policies should be put in place by people who understand it. Yeah. And that's not always the case here. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, we, so, need, we need smart regulators, yeah. but you get the sense that the, the folks who are smart and uh, yeah. ready to, to do the interesting work are actually more founding companies and involved yeah. in sort of the R&D section, like yeah. private sector. Yes. So like how many... Are there a lot of like, you know, white hat regulators yep. who are like, you know, I really am yep. passionate about, you know, fighting uh, corporate uh, tech companies, you know, like it's, I think yep. the people who are actually like mission based yep. in the legal, even in legal regulatory yep. are more about saving lives. Yes. Um, but it does seem like at least now folks are starting to talk more about how lives are actually significantly impacted by Yes. By their yeah, I mean, if half the world is is internet enabled and and a good portion of them are regularly yeah. checking their social feed, like that's an extremely influential uh, factor in everyone's health and productivity and well being. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll I'll say this too, right? Like, um, there may be a correlation that I'm I'm coming up with right now in in my head between the fact that I am so open with my data and like let's give it to anyone that's used it and the fact that my identity has been stolen. Ah, really? Like like twice in in, in, in my lifetime. Huh. Um, but the thing I, I find interesting though too, it's uh, like it's identity, it's it's credit card like usage. Uh -huh. And and so what I am also really impressed with is that American Express, for example, which is the only credit card I'm going to give a plug for them that I use right now. Yeah, they will catch fraud on my credit card before I do now. Right, right. Uh, and maybe that's because I've I've gotten it uh, sure. corrupted twice. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, guys. They have your they have your picture up in the cubicles. <laughs> yeah. There, they're like, oh, Griffin's calling. Again. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're monitoring it close. And so that's like I think that's a company that's doing good with data and that they're they're understanding usage patterns and they're sure. protecting me. Yeah. Um, Although from, they're they're false. Their false positives get annoying though too. Like yeah. where it's like, I know I'm in Las Vegas. Yeah. I know I know I'm spending more than I should. Why are you doing a fraud yeah. protection um, for a friend? I'm talking for a friend. <laughs> I'm not talking from personal experience, well, but I've heard people tell stories. Well, sometimes they they you keep know. sending me um want a personal loan, and I'm not sure if they know something that I don't know <laughs> sure. right now. So that's a separate thing. You know, they're like you're you're where you're at. So a little off topic, but no, I do think there's an interest in um. Yeah, the dynamics are crazy these days. That's also the growth of AI, right? And, I, and Mika does get into that later in the report as well, like the the, the use of data and to, to really look at it. Mike, you were, you were mentioning before we started recording about a lot of this also talks about China, uh, about sort of this, this new uh, cold war of sorts between uh, tech in the US and tech in China. Data privacy plays into that as well as uh, Chinese seem more uh, open or more uh, told to share more data and U.S. seems less uh, likely to. And so more data provides better user feedback and better apps as they move forward. Mm -hmm. What do you make of sort of the broad scope of her discussion of China and AI and, and data and, and how that might influence how tech moves forward and, and I guess in turn how education tech can move forward too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty sobering uh, mm -hmm. to understand the current like macro uh, climate around artificial intelligence, tech innovation, um, and, uh, you know, the future of our global economy. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's anyone, who, anyone who reviews these slides or like listens to, to Mary Meeker mm -hmm. talk will come away with, uh, with concern about the, the U.S. economy uh, and, and sort of the U.S.'s position um, as like a leader in innovation and uh, in their focus specifically on artificial intelligence. Um, and uh, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be jingoistic about it, but, uh, but you know, like I, I, th I think there is uh, 
a benefit to the U.S. being an innovation center that that continues to drive change because our model is different from uh, the command economy that you have in China, where China can do big things because their um, whatever their president says must be enacted. Well, well, think about that though. It's not only what the president says, but then they have a billion people to to the work for, work for them, right? Exactly. And that's a lot of brain power going at 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 a very focused agenda. Yes, exactly. And 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 then there are cultural aspects uh, that Dan was referring to that makes that uh, makes the all of the 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 users of the yeah. internet in China like more comfortable offering their data up mm-hmm. to really the government to tailor the experience right. where like, you know, you pair that with, uh, you know, any government's desire to sort of shape the minds of its populace, uh, it starts to get a little scary uh, to understand like, where, where does that play forward? And then at the same time, you know, uh, Meeker ends the report with some slides about uh, the impact of, uh, of immigration and, and, and immigrants in the founding of, uh, of Silicon Valley yep. and like a lot of the top companies that are, are in the U.S., whether it's, you know, Google or Tesla or, uh, you know, the list, list uh, does go on for some time. There's, there's a slide yep. where, uh, where they, they, you know, she, she basically lists all the different top American uh, country, uh, companies that were founded by immigrants. Yeah, and, and where will that be? Where will we be 20 years from now with the world we're in right, right now if, right. We, if we stop that bringing in of, of immigrant talent into exactly. the, the country? Yeah, and even think about it in terms of the emerging world yeah. too, like where like, you know, the if you're in the emerging world and you're top talent and you understand. You mean like myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're trying to understand like, where do I take my talent? Yeah and uh south beach it's always south beach yeah that's, that is a good point yeah. it's very timely thank yeah. you for that dan that was good but uh but i but i think you know there's a, it's not like they're going to be going to china but where where you know like if yeah but where, where will where will that that in that that intellect that yeah. intellectual capital go well all all jokes aside right like uh 20 years ago when um i I made a decision, my parents made the decision, whoever made the decision to bring it to America, right? And and to come to America, it was because this was the land of opportunity, right? And and we we are we were talented, we were were the top of our classes. And so you knew you had opportunity here if you worked hard and that, that was the mentality. Right. I don't know if um sitting sitting in twenty years now, if I was now a kid starting now, yeah. whether I would come here or whether I would look at places like uh, Ireland or where there right. is a tech town or sure. like uh, Asia or South Africa or like all these emerging yeah. like the bubbles what right. I would choose to to come here now like right. I, I wouldn't necessarily choose to go to China because China is one it's the population it's closed, is com- yeah. it's closed off but uh-huh. like there are places that are still open yes in the world and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna attract the talent yeah and they're gonna attract the companies right because that's why Google and, and these companies are going abroad and they're setting up houses in, in different locations exactly yeah and so, yeah and if you went back 20 years yeah. you might say come to America because you will be on a fantastic podcast uh, um, 20 years from now. It's all going to come together yeah. beautifully for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and I, yeah. It, it's there. And I mean, it did come together beautifully yeah. like for right, me. Right, right now, I'm seeing it. Right, guess, right now, yeah, like yeah. this this, this was what I was meant to do. Okay, just so you know. <laughs> nice, nice. I think I need to find some inspirational music to put yeah. on. Behind, behind. Exactly. Uh, so, we did want to get into some of the learning stuff. Yes. So yes. I think uh, slides 231 to, and uh, those of you who are following at home, it's actually not a bad listening experience i would imagine like if you uh like the 
the, the deck is very publicly yeah. available on SlideShare. If you go to TechCrunch, you can find it there. So uh, I'm talking now about slide, slides 231 to 236, where uh, they're talking about lifelong learning, um, which is obviously interesting to us as uh, trending in education. This is about uh, learning. Um, I, I don't know where you guys want to go. I thought I was, I was pleased to see that, you know, six slides in the report were focused on lifelong learning. They weren't, they weren't really, they weren't focused on traditional um, K-12 or, or higher education, which I also thought was, was, uh, was interesting because it's really one of the things we talk about on the show uh, a lot. Like we yeah. don't necessarily come at it from a K-12 or a higher ed perspective. We come at it more from a lifelong learning. So um, slides 231, 236, uh, if those of you want like a condensed, uh, version of what's going on. I thought those were, were definitely interesting. Yeah, no, no, for real. And um, so I love these slides. My favorite stat in here, uh, two, two of the stats, right? And, and they were both related to YouTube. And it's like the 1 billion daily learning yeah. views. Like yeah. that is astounding. Mm -hmm. And then the 70% of viewers that used YouTube to like do homework, solve homework, school and hobbies. And mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, I do it all the time, right? Sure. Like I'm, I'm learning to, to clean my pool right now, just based on, on that. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, I think the first slide I thought was pretty interesting yeah. too, where where they're talking at a at a higher level, like the pre eighteen century yeah. was uh, the the growth economic growth drivers were cultivation and extraction. Mm -hmm. In the nineteenth and twentieth centuries, the economic economic growth drivers were manufacturing and industry. And now for the twenty first century, uh, they're saying that uh, it's really computing power and human potential yeah. are the growth drivers and. Uh, if that is in fact the case, like, you know, I think we probably need more than six slides on this because like this is yeah. like a, a huge opportunity. Um, and uh, and then for, you know, I've been thinking more about where test prep fits, like in many ways, it's a it's a self-help uh, thing. It's yeah. a way to make yourself better. And if you look at uh, the combination of the computing power and the, the focus on on yeah. human potential and improvement, um, to be in the the lifelong learning industry um, is, uh, is is it, it's it's pretty exciting. Like it's yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a very hopeful time. Yeah, it's a great space to be in right now, and a, a great space to innovate in right now. I, I think to the point of lifelong learning, like the the fact that like when our parents were are were in the workforce, right? They would pick a career, they would do something, they would stay at the same job yep. for years to come, and now. Yep. Like we're sort of in the middle where we might curse, which like once or twice and change yep. skills once or twice, but the next generation is going to have to constantly be switching what they're, they know, right? They're gonna, right. Because they're going to have to be moving at the pace of, of the technologies that's moving. And I think so. How do you learn that quickly? Like, yeah. how do you think about lightning learning? For sure. Which, which was a trend that I know you guys covered as yeah, well. Like, Rohit, yeah. 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 Right? Like that is, that is something that I think is real and very exciting in education. Like yeah. these, um, how do you tap into that and help people along exactly. this process? Yeah, agreed. And uh, and uh, you know, we just talked uh, talked to Tarlin uh, Tarlin Ray recently mm -hmm. about generations. Um, it, it is interesting too because I, I do think, regardless of your generation, uh, to stay relevant, your rate of intake needs to increase. Yeah. You know, so that's why there's a lot of tools out there that yeah. are emerging that are making it easier to be a more efficient yeah. learner. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I that, there, that's a point too. If the efficiency of learning is, is what we've got to get better at, you no longer do I think you can sit in like 
class for like and like hours on time and just learn like that you've got to be fast at picking up a topic yeah and it, it's a it's a real challenge yeah. for for the for educators to figure out how do you how do you engage folks who want that that fast hit um but at the same time it's also a golden age of long form media too yeah. so like you know like there are ways in which uh folks are being uh sort of absorbed yeah. and consumed whether it's by um by by traditional video or uh or interactive which mm -hmm. was the other thing i i thought was a really interesting related trend is the the growth of uh of uh fortnite and fortnite got its own slide so they did one of the things i'm trying i'm trying to call gen z uh the fortnite generation i think that's uh i think that's a that's do you an need me to help angle. you bring it along like well I you let me say it right now so I, I, you, I did let you say you it. can say wow that's insightful i mean i i i was i was my nephew's I was around them recently and they were constantly, yeah. constantly on that game. Uh -huh. and, and I do not, I, it's just fascinating to me how long, cause I'm a gamer, but yeah. I had a, like a short attention span. I can like, but that's all they want to do all the time. I don't, yeah. Which is why it's interesting yeah. when we talk about how digital natives have such mm -hmm. a short attention span at the same time, they'll play Fortnite for 14 hours straight. Right. They're like, I think it's, 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 <laughs> It's like you have to capture a new form of attention. Yeah. But it's like people are able to go long. Same thing with yeah. binging. You know, like so the opposite of of um of lightning learning it's, is more like binge learning. Yeah. And I think both things are happening at the same time. It's also like yeah. just the world is, you know, as an analyst, like yeah. the world is diversion. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like, very confusing. And like once you once you peg something in one direction, someone typically can have a counterexample. Yeah. that sort of speaks to to the opposite uh, approach yeah. and i think it just talks about how it sort of points to how varied we all are yeah. and how like the the media opportunities that are out there particularly you know I, I still see gaming and interactive as the cutting edge um you know is there a way to connect those two, their, their slides yeah. are adjacent too yeah. so it's almost like <laughs> trying to pull them together but it's like but she wasn't quite there so she yeah. she just stopped about but them it's separately. like you think about connecting gaming with lifelong learning and uh you know like the gig economy like like there is an emerging opportunity space that you know twitch and yeah. uh esports are kind of nailing it but like what where's the corollary for learning but you know? yeah no and um, I'll, I'll i'll go a side note for a second twitch is fascinating to me because the, uh, the actual watching of someone else game yes it for hours and hours of time is just like fascinating oh yeah like i don't like i, I guess that's the equivalent of us watching that sports but exactly like, yep or or listening to other people have a conversation. Yeah, I guess oh. pod podcasting is is pretty similar. Dan, you're 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 ready to engage, right? Yeah, I, I I am. Uh, I a couple of things. One, I thought the last slide on uh, the learning was interesting too, between freelancers and you know workers of uh, when they were studying, and obviously freelancers are trying to better themselves to get more work per se, and and workers uh, in the old. Uh, potentially uh, last uh, century way of doing business was, as Melissa said, I'm going to work a job, I'm going to stay in that job, and I'm going to finish and retire. So you're not looking to get necessarily new uh, skills as you're going. So that was intriguing to see. Um, as far as Twitch and, and Fortnite, and I think, Mike, you nailed it. And just to reiterate, I think the, this time is looking for good content. 
And so there's so much content out there that yes, attention spans are shorter uh, by, by just average, but I think it's because there's so much content out there and there's so much that you can move on to that if it's not really what you want to do, you're going to move forward. So yep. if it's watching 12 hours of, of Fortnite or, or, you know, a player unknown battleground or whatever streaming esports game is happening right now, uh, you know, League of Legends, whatever it might be, um, I think it's content people want and they'll sit there and wa they'll watch it and they'll engage with it. If it's not content they want, they'll shut it off and they'll move yeah. on to something else, which I think, I think is. You know, I, th I think you're right. I think the problem is actually learning is, mm -hmm. is hard. Absolutely. So like you have, yeah. we have to be able to get people to lean in to, to make themselves work a little. Absolutely. Uh, and then I think you can do that in an entertaining way, Yeah. but you still can't, you know, we're not at the point where, you know, you eat cotton candy and learn trigonometry, you know, by virtue of eating. Oh, okay. I, was, I, was, I mean, you can do, like fun. You do the two I, together, actually. I, trigonometry is much better with cotton candy. To, uh, to go back to the game, and right, I yeah. learned a lot about the world from civilization. And, yeah, sure. And so um, I do think there is there's an interesting cross-section of how do you keep someone engaged and without them even knowing they're, they're learning Absolutely. at some time what they're picking up. Not, not, not to, I, yeah. uh, 100%. And I also would say, like, the future of work, might be a little more like Minecraft than yeah. it is like, you know, reading yeah. the reading is fundamental, you know, like, yeah. like, I know that's a bit of a hot take, but like, you know, which things will, uh, will future will Gen Z, uh, you know, need to be mm -hmm. great at and it's like, if you could design yep. Minecraft levels that are really creative and, and interesting, like having that as like a, a competency that you can then transfer into whatever engineering problems or, are yeah, going to emerge in the future. You know, like it's a, it's a pretty interesting, uh, interesting conversation to, to, to dig into. Um, were there other things we wanted to hit while we're still, I, I definitely wanted to talk about Fortnite and Twitch, which we did. Oh, how about, um, you know, we were talking to Tarlin a little bit about, um, uh, Slack and Zoom and uh, they talked about Intercom and uh, Dropbox, but like the new uh, tools for enterprises mm -hmm. uh, that are more consumer friendly. They're more like what people would expect uh, to, as opposed to the old like Microsoft Office yeah. and like sort of, you know, um, kind of clunkier aspects of engaging, uh, engaging a workforce. I thought that was interesting on a number of fronts. First off, because, you know, we're, we're kind of power users of Slack and Zoom to some extent. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's interesting. But then the crossover from enterprise into learning is, is also really interesting. They, you yeah. know, um, any thoughts on, on, on that part of the deck? Slide 263 for those following. Like, yeah, uh, 263 to 276. How about, how about you, uh, Dan? Because I know you were, uh, you were an early adopter on Zoom and Slack. Yeah, I, I think... The interesting sort of th uh, thread here for me is the idea of that the more consumer friendly these apps are, the easier it is for someone to use them at work too. So like as you get used to using them in your private life, being able to use them at work as well um, just makes it that much easier to walk into an office and get immediately to work rather than having to learn systems and learn how processes work and, yep. and do all those things. So these apps are just making it that much more accessible. Gig economy, whatever you want to call that, or, or just going to work for the same corporation for 35 years, allows somebody to walk in and, and while they're home, even be using the same technology, but for personal use and, and get used to it and be comfortable with it, uh, become a master user, like be able to really use it to, to better their, their way forward. And it's just all of the integrations, I think, are, are where we're going next, right? Like how Zoom and Slack talk to one another and how these different apps start to integrate data and start to work uh, off of one another is going to be very, very important as we move forward. 
Uh, still, data will be important to it and how we, we handle all that, but how we use them in tandem. And I think for learning, that's really important too. We've talked about it, Mike. Um, how can we pair some of these you know, really uh, innovative platforms together uh, to help drive learning and drive engagement, um, drive conversation, uh, and all of those things, pairing them together, live streaming, Zoom, Slack, is really uh, an important question to answer soon. Yep. I mean, uh, for me, the, I, I think you hit on one of the points that I found really interesting, Dan, which is I do, I do think it's the integration of all these work tools together mm-hmm. that's going to like make or break them. Because I do feel there, there can be a proliferation of these tools sure. that are coming into the workplaces and some will win and some will lose. And it's when they work seamlessly together mm-hmm. that it helps with the productivity. And I think that's the, the point of all these tools. My, my challenge, quite frankly, is... And, uh, I've adopted Slack, I've adopted Trello, I've adopted a lot of, of these tools both in my personal life and in, um, in the work. They switch over so quickly. Yep. The net, and, and so the challenge, again, I think the challenge for this, the next generation, the Generation Z, is the ability to not be afraid by, of technology, and I don't think they are, right. afraid of technology and be able to constantly switch and be able to engage, right? So uh-huh. like if you take something like Trello and... Um, like Smartsheets and like Jira, they're all the same tools and they sure. work virtually the same. And I think you see in the uh, the newer gen- the younger generation ability to do it, and you, and that and that's what you have to be able to do. Just right. switch to whatever mode you need and understand that they all work very similarly. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's also understanding what problems you're trying to solve yeah. with the tool, and then learning right. about how effectively yeah. did, it, did it achieve the outcomes that yeah. I want. Because also sometimes people can. Uh, fall in love with the tool yeah. and start saying, well, because we have this tool, we mm-hmm. have to do things a certain way. Yep. And it's, no, you actually don't. And you don't even have to really use the tool, but it's, it's more being open to what you can learn by trying new things, yeah. which, uh, you know, it's probably more natural for the younger generations, but it's to stay relevant yep. in the next 20 years, regardless of the generation you're from, you, got it. Uh, you either need to know it or you need to have a close friend or family member who does know how to engage with those tools. <laughs> And, um, and, and, and there's an opportunity, I think, there, too. Like, how, how do you teach people yep. to know, you know, where they get value, uh, to also understand when you might want to use this type of tool versus yeah. that one? Because I feel like people are just getting overwhelmed by the confusion of, 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 like, new tools and toys that are emerging. And, like, I don't really – I can't even keep up with the language, let alone know what the, the software does. Um, I think people just need to – almost like relax for a moment when yeah. you feel overwhelmed and realize nobody has it all figured out. Yeah. And, and like, regardless of your generation, regardless of how much you paid attention in school, regardless of where you were born, like nobody has it all figured out. It's just really freaking complex and like, it's okay. And then realize, okay. And then now I'm going to stay, I'll stay relevant and I'll figure out how to sort of patch it together for myself or my company or my, my, my community or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, don't freak out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I think it's also knowing what you like and knowing what you don't like. Because yeah. I do, I use, I, I find the proliferation of messenger tools and the constant way we communicate yeah. Yeah. to be like uh, in frustrating. Because I will be talking to the same person on six different tools. And, and that's, I feel that's too much, especially yeah. as the conversation tends to just move through. The, oh my God. Although, although the, I mean, I was so but cool. never on the phone, never, yeah. on, never the on the phone. But never on the phone. But Do so, not call me. Selfishly, I use that as an opportunity to, to not, uh, not respond to things. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, that was in the Slack? Oh man, I was in Zoom all day yeah. uh, looking at Trello uh, and Google. Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to get over to Slack yet. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, yeah, it's uh, but I, th- I think it's the new world. I think it's just like 
filtering is going to become so essential and, yeah. and also realizing you're not, you can't know everything, right? Yeah. It's okay to not know everything. Nobody does. I, I mean, my Slack channel is up to 50 messages right now. Nice. It is. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on to it right uh, now in the hour that I've been here. I have not been able to keep it. blowing up because of the Meeker report. Maybe they know, <laughs> maybe they know, maybe they know you're, you're dropping knowledge on the Meeker report uh, yeah, and, and you're, you're in Slack. In education. Your Slack, yeah, yeah, your Slack is lit. Yeah. It's going to be a, a yeah. bunch of GIFs. You're just going to come back to a but I just why do you gotta go just right at the end man. beautiful yes um, good good Next, it's everything's fine we'll let go <laughs> let go 294 oh, slides uh that we uh talked around and through anything uh we uh ran a little longer than we first thought but not surprised with this dense content Melissa yeah. anything else that uh you want to point out before we do wrap up uh, the podcast I mean, uh, the the thing I'll point out, and I think Mike brought it up be, before, and you guys have been touching on it. I, I do think there is an interesting space for us around the the gig economy, the free like and the freelance economy, mm -hmm. lifelong learning, and mm -hmm. how do we like sort of allow people to improve their skills and uh, so that they can enter that world. And yeah. I think that's a very interesting space that I don't know if anyone's cracked yet. Yeah, and it's a perfect space for us to play in. Yeah, and it's a cool mission. Yeah, you know, like to actually think about yeah. how do we how do we help people yeah. understand what's up, yeah. uh, and uh, and then also do it in a way that's a little more relevant. So like, yeah. to do that, you gotta you gotta like read the Mika report and then uh, you know, uh, yeah, walk, ride ride around on a skateboard with your hat on backwards <laughs> and be like, hey kids, uh, here's what you how do you do, fellow children. I just read the Mika report and uh, I'm now relevant. You What's know, up? the interesting thing she said, and I, I really, I'm going to plug her speaking. She's, she's also just an impressive human. Yeah. Just to listen to her speak. Yeah. Uh, if you, you didn't want to read the 200 and plus report. Yeah. Um, do we think that this is going to finally change the, like just the breakthrough of like internet, like, and, and this like environment we're in, do we think it's going to finally fundamentally change the job market? And she was like, she doesn't know, right? But it would break against history, right? And right. I think there are a lot of signs pointing. I know there there's so many theories on either side about whether like computers will replace jobs and right. so forth, right? Or or like, and I think they will, right. and that's what people panic on. But I think they're going to create so many more opportunities and so many more jobs just right. based on it. And I think that's that's the exciting part of, of the world we're in right now. I think we're right. we're living in a perfect time, like a perfect time, a perfect place to. Right to seek opportunity yeah so then and then yeah. and maybe come up with uh training programs for the robot overlords yes. for teach, teach yeah. them like like higher eq I, like I teach them how to be more more kind when yes. they're when they're oppressing humanity you do know i i welcome my robot overlords if they just tell me what to do with my life <laughs> that's a great one to end on dan. you know i mean for the, yeah, that's a uh, dan any any uh, yeah you want to you want to bring us home i i will i was gonna break into song and say teach the robots will. <laughs> uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we are closing out the Meeker Report. Uh, special thanks to Melissa for joining us. Uh, Melissa Griffith, the uh, Vice President of Analytics and Strategy at Kaplan Test Prep. We'll hear from her again. She, uh, well, I guess I have to ask, how was it? We're at the end. Oh, right. Yeah. How, oh. how, how was it? Yeah. I, I'll come back. Nice. I'll come back. There it is. Nice. No nice. better uh, recommendation or uh, solution to future podcasting issues here than having Melissa back. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, as we uh, discuss many more topics right here on Trending in Education. <laughs>